this week. What it's like being a star. Going to talk Day of the Dead. We'll learn a little bit about that. And finally, I'm going to reveal the ghost block phenomenon. Not if you guys saw it. Big deal. I, I didn't, you didn't think you didn't think that I was a uh, television star. <laughs> I was on um, CH CH Morning Live. Yeah, this is a Hamilton station. If you're not familiar, it covers Hamilton, Niagara. Uh, I think they dip their toe in Toronto every now and then. So I go on uh, every year, and I take uh, Tim Bolin, who is the host of the show. Uh, host of that segment, I take him around to different haunted locations. I've been doing it for a few years, a couple years off, um, but mostly it's been in a row, uh, even all the way back when uh, Lori DeAngelis was the host, and uh, we had to wake up uh, very, very early to do the shoot. Uh, it's changed a bit. Thankfully, I can sleep in a bit more, but I still enjoy it, and my biggest challenge, I think, right now, and I've told him as well that uh, I'm running out of places to take them. There's been so much we've covered over the years that um, I'm not sure if I'm going to have things for future episodes, but I'm going to keep going as long as they'll have me back, as long as I'll have stories to tell. I'm going to keep going. Uh, this year was a lot of fun. I think the story, the locations really did come through. Uh, the Hermitage, the ruins was the first one. We did a couple segments there. The Coach and Lantern pub this is in ancaster which we'll uh, i'll come back to in the final segment of the show we actually went inside the coach and lantern which was cool i did a segment with a mask on and that was a very uncomfortable situation i do not recommend that when you're telling stories wearing i wear, I wear these massive um, blue round glasses now as part of my ghost guide daniel persona and uh, the mask breathing into it, and the, there was fogging up my glasses. If you watch that segment, you'll see a couple of times I'm playing with it, trying to like push the glasses down a bit. At one point, I look like a stern teacher. <laughs> like, what are you kids doing back there? I just I felt like that uh, because I couldn't stop them from fogging up, and I couldn't see what what was going on around me. Probably just just let them, let them fog up and just go on with the story, even though I couldn't see. <laughs> it's not like I need to see to tell a story. And uh, the last one was uh, something near and dear to me was the uh, Dundas District School. And this one, very interesting location, the story of the Death Pact with a caretaker named Russell in the 1950s and how he's come back to the building to haunt it on the third floor just is a very creepy story. And um, there's a realism to it because it was a elementary school when all these stories come out. And the last place you would expect such stories to occur from is an elementary school. I mean, I think in my experience, like there's some historic high schools that maybe have stories, but for the most part, schools are usually off limits. Universities. Universities are are the difference. I guess at that point, you don't really, it's okay to talk about it because they, they're not kids anymore. They're adults. But elementary schools and high schools have been kind of like on the list of off limits uh, in a way such as hospitals, right? There's a sensitivity reason, there's a safety reason for that. So to have a story like that come out of an elementary school and be covered by the Hamilton Spectator, which they did for this Dundas District story, is over the top. It is not something that you would expect to have normal. 
and it would definitely not be something if they were making it up. Even if they were making it up, it would definitely not be featured on anything. So that's why Dundas District has always um, fascinated me, and I was happy to include it. We didn't go inside, unfortunately. It's it's lofts now. I don't think uh, the people who run the lofts would want their their residents uh, seeing the building on it, especially those on the third floor. I kind of did a little shout out <laughs> on the thing. I, I thought, uh, yeah, if anybody's living on the third floor, just uh, contact us. We would like to know if your if your uh, child is floating through the air, <laughs> if dishes are smashing against walls or something. And, you know, see with how Russell feels now that the place isn't a school anymore. I don't know. It's just uh, something I think about when I go to sleep at night. So, yeah, no, that was fun. Uh, good locations. Really enjoyed it. Uh, always a lot of fun getting up in the morning and, and going to do this because it's a rare occurrence, if ever. Actually, this is the only reason I would ever need to don the Ghost Guide Daniel outfit and anything that would be early in the morning. So having that opportunity is very cool. And just telling those stories, I mean, I've gotten used to it. I mean, the original days when I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning and then going for the shoot at around 6, and I would have my coffee, my, my large coffee, <laughs> that I'd be, I'd be uh, sucking on it like a baby bottle and uh, <laughs> that's hoping that the caffeine brings me the energy to tell the stories because when I tell the stories, I, I got to uh, pump myself up. I'm not a naturally high-energy person. I am actually the lo- lowest energy person you'll ever meet in your life. And... Um, I have to pump myself up before I do tours as well. I, 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 I get myself in that state of mind to be able to tell the stories with enough energy to draw the group into them. And that's always been my my um, my goal because being a low energy, energy person, you don't want to bring low energy to a group, especially in the evening time when many of them also have low energy and then it would spread like, like wildfire and then all of a sudden you have a, a poorly run uh, tour group so i i have to pump myself up and it was the same than that it was impossible that early in the morning uh but having a little bit more time to sleep i still drink coffee obviously and uh you know get myself in the right mood before i go and film with tim and uh luke but it's it's definitely a wonderful experience and i hope they keep having me back hope you guys enjoyed it um so i want to talk about that but i also wanted to mention uh friday last friday Oh my God. I don't know where you were on that night, but I was in downtown Hamilton leading ghost tours. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the rain. Uh, the tours are rain or shine. And um, the wind was a bit of a, an issue. And I think umbrellas took a real big hit. But the people who came out were wonderful. And actually, I was uh, very lucky that um, the rain uh, at the beginning of the first tour... It was weird. The timing was weird. So right before I was about to take them out, it was raining, raining, raining. And I had everybody kind of hiding under the awning at the Royal Connaught uh, condos now. Used to be a hotel. And everybody was hiding under. It was quite comfortable. And just before I'm about to start telling the stories on my tour, the rain starts to slow down. The wind's still going, but the rain is slowing down. And it was wonderful. The first half of the first tour went very well. Uh, not a lot of rain and then it came. So then the rain comes with the wind and I did my best to try and find, uh, areas to hide under when we were doing the stories, not the easiest 
in downtown Hamilton, but uh, everybody was troopers. They had their their full coats on, you know, waterproof with the hoods, and it worked out uh, quite well. I can't complain. The second tour, there was no rain. This was the weird, like, they were calling for rain all night long, and the second tour, the rain left. We had the wind. At one point, I just closed my umbrella, and I went without it. And the wind, it was like slight, like uh, dripping, like slight uh, mist in the air, but it didn't really rain. So, but that first one was, I have this beautiful umbrella that's actually, it's supposed to be windproof. It's got the little flap on it for the wind to come through and the wind hit it. There was these weird gusts. They said 50 kilometers, but that was, that was closer to a hundred. Those gusts, they hit the umbrella and I don't know how it did it, but it flipped it. And this umbrella is not supposed to flip. And I think it, like I felt that it's like very well made and it snapped one of the um, the bars underneath and flipped it. So I used the wind to flip it back. It's still usable. It's just kind of a pain in the butt because of the uh, broken bar keeps sticking up. Um, I have to glue that. But uh, no good umbrella. It's a Wind River umbrella. Uh, didn't pay me for that. But uh, the the rain was kind of annoying. And then there, there was some rain on Saturday as well. Thank goodness there was no wind. But uh, again, I had to do the, I did a triple in Niagara in the lake uh, in, in slight rain. And that, that wasn't the easiest, but um, it was fine. And the groups were wonderful. Everybody was very understanding. And for the, for the moment, I mean, again, we, it wasn't really high energy, of course. I can understand being out in the rain is not the nicest thing in the world. But they were good troopers. And I hope they enjoyed the tours and the stories and uh, came away with something from that. I said I'm going to talk about the Day of the Dead. I really don't know much about it, uh, so I'm not sure where this is going to go or how long it's going to last. But I know the Day of the Dead is uh, the main holiday. So Halloween, uh, All Hallows' Eve, is kind of like the night before the Day of the Dead. So I know it, it is very important that it is one of the main reasons why uh, Halloween exists in the first place, and we have this wonderful tradition of honoring the dead at a certain time of year. No matter how you look at Halloween, if it is just for the candy, that's like saying to a, a Christian, you know, uh, Christmas is just for the gifts. Uh, and then the Christian's like, no, 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 there's a deeper meaning there. And when somebody says to Halloween, uh, to me, Halloween is just about the candy and partying and uh, dressing up, I was like, okay, well, you're hitting on something with the dressing up, but the rest of the stuff, there's a deeper meaning. There is a deeper meaning to Halloween. There is um, uh, druid roots in this. There is uh, energetic roots in this. The old statement that uh, the veil between our world and the dead is at its thinnest is, in my mind, 100% true. I mean, the experiences that I've had over the years, usually, not all of them, but usually take place around Halloween and I actually I covered on my last episode last week that I, I saw a shadow in Niagara on the lake this kind of stuff with the shadows with things moving around are usually around Halloween so when you say that the the veil is thinned I do a hundred percent believe this because that's when things tend to come through and things tend to occur so there's something to the idea of this time of year 
And if you look at the symbolism around it, if you believe that I, like I do, that things tend to repeat throughout reality, um, maybe one day I'll get into that a bit deeper. But if you look at how everything at this time of year, at least in our side of the world, in northern uh, North America, the northern part, I'm in Canada, uh, where things die in the fall and then get reborn in the spring, this is a time of death. And that's hence, I think, the, um, the repeating symbolism of why Halloween is considered what it is. So I pulled up this little article here. Uh, it is from the Shreveport Times. And I'm just going to read a section of it that I thought had a cool title. I really don't know what this is, but the title says Halloween versus Day of the Dead. This is an article about um, the urban legends of, uh, of the Day of the Dead. It's by uh, T- Tiana Kennel. So it is uh, Halloween versus the Day of the Dead. A common battle of the culture is clearing up misconceptions. Halloween is not the same as the Day of the Dead. In fact, it's far from it. Quote, To young people it has become very commercial. Uh, Demareth said, I assume some of they were talking about in the previous article. Quote, In one way I like that I think it's great people have been exposed to it, but in another way they connect it to Halloween. They think it's another costume for Halloween. <laughs> I guess they're talking about like the skull costume. Uh, Sugar Skull, it's called. It's easy to associate the two holidays since they share the same time of year. Halloween is October 31st, and the Day of the Dead is November 1st, when children are honored, and November 1st when adults are included in the tribute. That's because the October and November months have traditionally been a time of harvest, and some believe the time when the veil between the physical and spiritual worlds is thinnest, allowing souls to visit the earth. But that's about where the comparison ends. Quote, Halloween is a recognition of souls, but in the old pagan sense. I mentioned, yeah, with um, the Druids. Yeah, the Druids. Um, so there's a, a Mexican-American artist who's saying this. Uh, quote, Day of the Dead is remembrance and not about being spooky. I don't think uh, Halloween is about being spooky. Even uh, this person said that in their quote well i guess yeah i mean in modern times sorry that's a very stupid quote for me uh modern times it is true that halloween is about being spooky horror movies and all that but the original i'm talking about the original reasoning for halloween's not to be spooky anyway uh reading it right along although both halloween and day of the dead are associated with skulls they are very much different from one another wherein Halloween is known for the frightening skulls, um, then the Day of the Dead is off the the decorated bright colors and smiling face skulls. A lot of skulls are decorated so kids don't fear the dead. Uh, This is that original person, Demareth said. Quote, it is to make it more accepting of the dead. That's why the skeletons are not scary. It's supposed to be more colorful and playful. They got a picture here. 
The middle ones are very, very frightening. It's almost like a married couple. They're decayed skulls <laughs> in the photo. But the outside ones are these smiling, colorful, like ones that typical blue that you might have seen with sugar skulls. And the one on the left is uh, orange and has a little heart on the <laughs> on the head. Uh, so, yeah, the outside ones are playful. They kind of look uh, like uh, pieces of bread. They're shaped weird. The skeletons of the day and dead are often dressed and posed to doing tasks to reflect life on earth because it's the continuation of life in another form. Quote, we live and then we die. It's another cycle of who we are. To make sure Day of the Dead isn't confused with Halloween in Shreveport, um, the per, uh, there's a person there that hosts an annual Day of the Dead celebration. It's uh, all ages event to teach traditions of uh, the holidays, such as how to make altars, color sugar skulls, and play games, as well as march in the Day of the Dead puppet parade. <laughs> oh, man, they don't have a picture of the puppets. That's, I definitely want to see that. Uh, quote, it has become more popular, but I think it's because of the imagery in it. Uh, people have been drawn to it no matter what their background or race. and It's cool. It's cool kids. <laughs> it's cool kids who want to learn about cultures because because the, the their own. So, I mean, I think they need their own culture. So that's it. It's cool, kids, to learn about culture. <laughs> that's what this is saying. Don't forget that. But yeah, no, I, I don't see the difference. Even after reading this, I don't see the difference. Um... I think Halloween, in, in, in my sense, if I've always looked at it, is a time to honor the dead. But I guess uh, I do understand in, uh, in the um, popular media sense today, it is more about scaring people. And that's something I've talked about so, so many of my tours is how I think the um, jump scare that has become so popular in today's society has just gotten ridiculous. I mean, the, the cheesiest horror movies have, have utilized this. And that's why I'm always so amazed when I see a horror movie that doesn't need it and uh, very rarely uses it. Like, they'll all use some type of jump scare, which is fine, as long as it fits the story and it's not just a you know, black cat jumping out of a closet and making that cat round noise. Uh, but it's actually used in a way to create tension that makes you more scared of the villain in the story. And I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the best ways I've seen this done is uh, It, the, the newer version of It, uh, chapters one and two. This is the style that they ran with. You know, there's, there's points where they had um, stuff in the background that was uh, Pennywise that was appearing in different forms. And this was like a psychological way of keeping you on edge. You didn't really register that something creepy was there, like on the outside, but you registered in your subconscious, and it—it's that tension that they put into it that works so well. So yeah, if you want to see that in action, and there's definitely not enough movies like it, chapter one and chapter two, that use this method. So uh, watch it, watch it twice. Really, really, really see the the secrets, the things that they put in there to to kind of naturally freak you out. I think they they did a wonderful job, but I'm getting off topic. So the uh, the jump scares used way too much, and um, I think that's what Halloween has become. 
but that's not how I see it. And I hope there's a lot of people out there who are listening to the show that uh, would agree with me on that, that it is a time to honor the dead. So I do see Halloween and the Day of the Dead as being connected in that manner. I think they both have similar... They were they were really created in different parts of the world in a time when there was no internet and that kind of communication. But it's weird that even though they were so separate, that they can so fit uh, fit so well together uh, is kind of like proof that uh, we're all truly connected. And now the part, everybody who listened to the opening, uh, when they heard the term ghost block, was like, what the, what the hell is that? This is the part of show you were waiting for. <laughs> ghost block phenomenon. Now, I've never heard it called this. That is uh, my word. I am going to trademark that. I'm not really going to trademark that, but <laughs> it's the only term I can really think for it. I don't know if anybody else has had this point of view. I could really be one of the only people on the planet who has ever had a situation presented to me as such that would even show off this phenomenon. I'm sure maybe ghost investigators with their tools, but um, not in the sense that I saw it and saw it a couple times in action. And it was using the dreaded divination tool known as the Ouija board. Now, the Ouija board as a communication tool has been something that I've been uh, pushing since my previous days in Haunted Hamilton. Uh, Up until today, I'm not as much into ghost hunting and those investigation nights as I used to be. But I still hold strong to my beliefs that the Ouija board is one of the best communication tools for the dead. And uh, I've given this reason before, but I'm going to repeat it ad nauseum until you accept my beliefs (laughs) that uh, it is. I mean, it is just a divination tool. So, you know, the divining rods, you know, the pendulum and there's the Ouija board. It is a divination tool that is used for communication. But the, the great thing with the Ouija board or the spirit board, whatever you call it, is that it's the only tool where you can combine multiple energies together as an outlet for communication. The rest of them are all single use. One person uses them. One person gets the results. But the Ouija board can combine up, say, three, four, maybe five people if you have tiny hands, uh, and all can come together and communicate with the dead. And this is where kind of the uh, thoughts of the danger came from with it is because if it's non-psychics that are coming together like that, you may create an energy hub. I don't want to say vortex because I know there's another meaning to that. An energy hub that cannot be controlled. So you are dealing with energies that you're not used to dealing with. A psychic is used to dealing with that type uh, level of spiritual energy but a group of non-psychics that are brought together with this this tool um, could potentially open the doors to something. But what are they opening the doors to? That's the question. Not what you see in the movies, not what you saw in the movie The Exorcist, which basically started the fear of the Ouija board. 
what you are seeing is, uh, yeah, something might step through, but it's not at the level of what folks think. Now, I'm going to put all the side of talk of psychology, uh, talk about uh, mental disturbance, which could create a much larger situation because the brain is a very powerful thing. So you could add to whatever energy has come over and turn what is a easily dispelled uh, um, uh, restless energy into something that can affect you on not just a mental level, but also on a physical level. Because belief, belief and the mind together can create pretty much anything. So for that reason, I mean, if you have any question about your own mental capacities, I know it's a stupid thing to say, but I don't have any other way to say it, then the Ouija board is not a good thing to use, especially with other people who are kind of in the same boat as you. Uh, you don't want that potential. But if you're coming in it with a, a calm mind and an open mind, and in every single situation I've seen, even the worst of them, it's never more than just relaxing and allowing this restless energy to just pass on it just it, it arrives it causes its chaos and then it moves on but it's never so dangerous as what you see in the horror movies uh, so for those reasons I, I don't believe the highest fears around the board although i am still careful with how they are run so combining the energies creating this hub is one of the best doorways to having a smooth communication with the dead when you're a non-psychic and hence why the Ouija board is such a powerful tool because very rarely do you get even the ones who claim to be psychic sometimes aren't fully psychic and they don't bring the same energy I've worked with real psychics over the years I've seen the energy that they can bring into a situation and I 100% believe in it a lot of legit ones. There's also a lot of charlatans. Um, so, I mean, you always take that with a grain of salt. But they can control these sessions. And us regular lay folk, or no, us normies, we can't control that energy. So you need to be careful. Uh, I have three main rules. Again, this is getting off topic, but I just want to put it out there if anybody's thinking of using the board. Uh, my three rules are to never treat it like a game. It's always very serious. Uh, you want to re just realize it's a tool. It's not a game. Uh, the second rule is always say goodbye. You don't want to leave a session open. So uh, in that way, it's kind of like leaving an open door. And again, nothing's going to come through and murder you. But you don't want to do that. So you got to say goodbye, close the session, even if you have to force the planchet down. And the third one that people don't like, but I have to say, is don't use it in your home. Because if you're going to draw an energy into your life, the last place you want it is the most relaxed place and the place you're most vulnerable inside your home. And you don't want it affecting your mood around family members and your loved ones. So for that reason, keep it out of your home. And that's worked well for me. So what is a ghost block? I'm glad you asked. This is a rare occurrence. But it's a very nerve-wracking occurrence for myself as a host of investigations that have been done. So the ghost nights, the ghost hunts, 
those were fine. I mean, you could have a Ouija board. It's like a supporting character. So if there's a block, which has happened at the custom house before during those hunts, and none of the boards and none of the tools are um, registering any type of activity throughout the entire night, that's fine because they're still wandering the building. They're still getting ghost stories. They're getting an opening uh, history, some history tour uh, through the building as well to get an introduction to the place. I mean, there's other entertainment value. But I went uh, and spent one season, oh, I don't know, like six years ago, doing what was known as Ouija nights. And I got to tell you, this this was a huge failure. And it's not a failure on paper. On paper, it was an amazing idea. I mean, you come into a haunted location, you set up Ouija boards inside of her, multiple Ouija boards. I can't believe I found places that was okay with that. But uh, you set up multiple Ouija boards and you have people at tables and groups and teams and they use the board and they communicate. And then at the end of the night, everybody takes their results and we have a session, uh, a, a share sesh, and everybody shares the results. And then we can see what um, results were connected. Was there multiple tables where people didn't inter- interact with each other yet? They got similar information, like the ghost that haunts the place and the name. I mean, I mean, just saying it now, I want to do it again. <laughs> I just, I loved it. I loved the idea. But what I didn't even plan for is what I call the ghost block. I got ghost blocked. <laughs> I mean, it's, like it was a wonderful idea. I, I wonder, I don't know if you're thinking that too as I'm saying it, but then I go into a night and I did mention it on the CHCH Morning Live thing that we were at the uh, Coach and Lantern Pub in Ancaster. And I had set up on the second floor for one of these Ouija nights, very haunted place, very energetic place. And right from moment one to moment whatever at the end of the night, nothing, the whole night, every Ouija board, zero movement i was going around the room there was six six tables and i was going around the room and i would be like do you got anything yet they're like no like do you got anything yet no and then you see their hands are on the board and i said okay try switching uh teams actually at one point i had people stand up and i randomly chose folks to move back and forth from each of the tables thinking that maybe it was just the energy of the team that was doing the blocking and the block remained uh, so let's just say an hour, an hour and 20 minutes passes. And I kind of called it and throughout the night, as people were trying to me, I was telling stories. I was trying to, you know, keep the entertainment value going, but it wasn't really related to what was going on in the room. So from moment one to the last moment, nothing happens, no communication, nothing to talk about at the end, other than the fact that we got blocked ghost blocked uh there was nothing so the whole night was a complete flop now i I, i'm hoping everybody who walked away was that six times six was it 36 i don't know is my math right uh 36 40 people i hope they walked away understanding that what they've experienced was something huge that this is not a common occurrence that one of the boards should have at least you know, been bringing back energy and uh, you, you go into an investigation, you'd have one or two boards and they were, they were alive with energy. 
but to be blocked like that at an event. And it didn't just happen once. It happened a couple times. And that was the reason why this event (laughs) died a painful death, uh, pun intended, because it is unfortunate that, um, you know what, I'll I'll say it differently. Not unfortunate. It's, uh, no, unfortunate, I guess the right word is. It's unfortunate. You know, people want to come out. They want to communicate with the spirits, and the spirits didn't want to communicate back. So... Uh, they did it on purpose, maybe, just so that uh, we would go away. I don't know. You know, some spirits, I think they want attention, and other ones just want to be left alone. And I think I, unfortunately, on two occasions, <laughs> had the ones that just wanted to be left alone. And uh didn't look good as an event, but what can you do? So now, now you know, that's a ghost block. If anybody else has had uh, a similar phenomenon, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know that's it everyone uh side note no show next week let's call it a after halloween disappearance by myself ghost guy daniel i uh i usually you know take a week where i just stare at the wall especially after the busy halloween season i just sit in a chair and i stare at a wall for a week and then i come out at the end very excited to do more ghostly things Uh, The show will return on Wednesday, November 17th. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you then.